Hey, to your guest, I'm David. I'm the pastor. We're so glad that you're here. Easter is in three weeks. Now, last year at Easter, between our two campuses, we had over 1,200 people uh, on site. This, I mean, about 1,000 of them were on this campus, expecting that many or more this year. So we have four services this year. We have our 8.30 service at the Miranda campus. That's traditional. We'll have three services here, 9.40, 11, and 12.15. Listen, if you can make it 12.15, we'd love you to do that. Now, I know if you got kids... You know, you got the Easter egg thing, you got stuff set you got to do, and some of you got family coming in, and, you know, you got things you got to do. But if you're like my wife and I, it's just us, we're not doing Easter eggs. You know, we got no family. Just come to 1215. Who knows? I may buy you lunch after. I don't, I don't know. We'll get some reservations somewhere, Taco Bell or something like that. So, I'm cheap, by the way. Hey, if you've been to Europe, one of the things you probably noticed is they got a ton of architectural things, and they've got a bunch of these big old beautiful, gorgeous churches all throughout Western Europe. And a lot of those churches are empty. Some of them are now businesses, some are museums, some are apartment complexes, but a lot of them are just flat empty. I mean, here is Europe, Western Europe, which was once the heart of Christianity and the whole modern mission movement. Now it's experiences this unbelievable decline, this cratering of the Christian faith. It's estimated that between 1960 and 2020, in that 60-year period, 14,000 churches will close down in England. From 1970 to 2020, in Western Europe, 23% of the people who were once, or in other words, the, the population that is part Christian will drop by 23%. So be the 23% fewer people who will call themselves followers of Christ. It's an amazing, amazing number. Uh, in England, French, uh, Germany, about 2% of the people attend church regularly on Sunday. In England... There will be more people, four times as many, I think, attend mosque on Friday as that will attend church at the Church of England on Sunday. 500 churches will close in the Roman Catholic faith in Germany before the year 2020. Two-thirds of the Catholic churches in the Netherlands will close before the year 2020. Western Europe is dropping just in numbers unbelievably. Now, in other places, it's not happening that way. In fact, Eastern Europe, Christianity is growing. In Asia, Christianity is exploding. In Africa, it's estimated that every year between 6 and 7 million Muslims, just Muslims, convert to the Christian faith. We may wonder what's it like in America. Basically, we've been kind of stagnant. I mean, the, the percentage of people who call themselves Christians drops, but a lot of those who call themselves Christians really weren't anyways. Church attendance is kind of uh, running along, kind of stagnant. There are, there are some uh, denominations and churches who are just dying off. I mean, a lot of mainline denominations are dying, dying, dying. But new groups are forming and, and new types of Christians and, you know, and movements are exploding in evangelical Christianity. And in America, we're, just, we're kind of in this quagmire between you know, following the path of Western Europe and just cratering or, or experiencing revival and growth like places uh, in other parts of the world. And so the issue is, how do we know? What do we do? Is there, is there something for us, not as a nation, but as Christians, as churches who are in America, is there something for us to cling to? Is there some sign of warning to help us? Is there, is there anything that can tell us, hey, this is what you need to do? And the answer to that question is yes, there is. We're, we're in a series entitled Backroads. It's, it's, you know, Backroads taking you to some really cool places that you maybe have never been before. And, and this series on Backroads has kind of been in the Old Testament. There's some passages that are really helpful to us. And just like most Backroads end somewhere, this series ends where all Backroads and all roads end in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. And so we're going to come to Malachi today. And, and, and the prophet Malachi, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And the people of Israel 
they were just, their, their faith was just greater than God. I mean, God was rejecting everything they had to offer because they were just giving God the lift over parts of our life. And so we're going to come to a passage that kind of describes Malachi and the people of Israel at that time that God can have what's left over. And that's the problem with, with what's happened in Europe. That's the problem that happened in many churches in America. God can just have what's left from us. So Malachi chapter 6, verses, I mean chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priest, who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer that to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now will you not entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you, for from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, my, how tiresome it is, and you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. So here's what I want you to see from the message today. And it's kind of long, but you'll have time to write it down. Those of you that take notes. If our worship, service, and our commitment isn't completely glorify and honor God, then God will completely reject our worship, service, and commitment, no matter how much we claim to love, believe, and follow Him. Listen, it doesn't matter what you claim. You can say, I love God, I believe in God, I follow, I do all that stuff. But if the way you live your life, your worship, service, your commitment, your whole life doesn't honor Him, God rejects all of it, every bit of it. And so, there are three things that I want you to see from the passage today. And the first thing I want you to see is the charge against Israel. Because Malachi, or God through Malachi, brings this charge, that's like an indictment against Israel. Now, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. He's the last of the prophets. He wrote about 430 B.C. He was a contemporary of Nehemiah and Ezra. In 587, the kingdom of Judah, the last of the great nation of empire, was destroyed by the Babylonians, taken off into exile. When the Persians defeated the Babylonians in about 520, they allowed some of the people to come back, and they came back to the place of Israel and to Jerusalem. Uh, and they sort of rebuilt the temple. It wasn't much to look at. Uh, but there were so many problems. In 458, Ezra was there trying to reform their worship. In 440, Nehemiah was there building the wall, trying to reform the area. And, Nehemiah, and Malachi the prophet was there, and he's writing to these people who have it's grown hard, life's difficult, they're poor, they're discouraged, and their faith is just in the tank. 
And so in a book that basically is like a, a, a dialogue between God and an imaginary opponent, he brings this charge against Israel, and the charge to the people of Israel is that they no longer honor the Lord their God. The people of Israel no longer honor and glorify the Lord who is their God. Uh, it, it's brought out, it's stated that sons honor fathers and uh, servants respect masters. So God says this, he's a father and he's the master. Why aren't I being honored and why aren't I being respected? The people of Israel. Now the word honor comes from a Hebrew word, uh, we get our t- idea of glorifying, it's the word to be heavy or weighty. Something that is weighty or heavier theoretically has more value, and God is weighty or heavier. He, he is valued, he is honored, he is glorified. The word for respect carries with it the idea of awesomeness or fear or to revere. Not fear in a bad sense, but just to hold God in awe. So God is to be glorified and held in awe. And he says, this isn't happening. Why? And he comes to the priest and says to the priest, you have defiled my name. Now, the name of God represents who he is, his character. To defile is to show contempt. He's saying, you are showing contempt towards me. Why is that happening? Now, the reason he approaches the priest is it's not that the whole people aren't guilty. They are. But back then, in, in that part of the world, in that time, Israel people, when they worshipped, the primary means of worshipping God, or at least the one who was the mediator between the people and God, were the priests. The priests uh, did the sacrifices, they offered the sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. They represented the people to God, and then they represented God to the people because they told them what God expected and got what God wanted. Now, today, we don't have priests. I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. I, I, don't, I don't speak on God's behalf to you. I just share the word of God. I don't, I don't represent you before God. In fact, we believe in something called the priesthood of the believer. All of us are priests. All of us can come to God. All of us can then take what God has to say and share it with other people. We're all the same in that result, uh, sense. The last priest was the great high priest, Jesus Christ. He resolved all issues. But back then, even though the priest was the mediator between God and man, the people were still responsible. And here's the thing. What was the problem is they were showing contempt. And so Israel showed contempt towards God. They just looked at God and they despised him in their offerings and their sacrifices. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. In the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, and and a catechism simply is, is teaching. And some of you grew up in denominations that had catechism. Baptists, we don't do catechism. We just do Sunday school. <laughs> we teach. We still teach. We just call it something else. Uh, or we call it Womble and or whatever, connect groups. But in the catechism, it asks this really important question. It said, what is the chief ends of man? And what's the purpose of man? And the answer is this. The chief ends, or the purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him, enjoy him forever. We are to bring glory to God in our life. That's why we're here. That's what we're to do. We go through all the scriptures in the Old Testament. Bring glory to God. Honor God. Praise God. We are to bring glory, honor, and praise to God. And when we don't do that, we are showing contempt for God. And there's a lot of ways we don't do it. We're to honor God with every part of our life. We're not to honor God with part of our life or just a little bit. We act sometimes like, I'll give God this. I'll give God Sunday, but the rest of the week is mine. Though in the morning I may pray a little bit. My work is mine. My family is mine. You know, what I do for pleasure and recreation, that's my time. You know, what I have is mine. You know, my gifts are mine. God, I'll give you some, but the rest is for me. And there are Christians who think that way. 
And the truth of the matter is, when God wants, it's all of us. All of us belong to him. All of our time, all of our efforts, all of our talents, all of our possessions, everything belongs to God. And with everything of our life, all of our life, God created us to honor and glorify him with everything we have. But they weren't doing it. And oftentimes we don't do it. Just remember this. Honoring God should be the primary focus of your life. Honoring God should be the primary focus of your life. As a follower of Jesus, when I come to faith in Christ, I know that the rest of my life is to be lived, is to be spent honoring God. So there's a charge against Israel, and then there is the evidence in place. God has some evidence about what's going on. And so God, you know, kind of almost like they're in a court setting, he's going to bring some evidence. And he mentions two things uh, that is part of that evidence in particular. The first is this, that Israel's sacrifices were evil. The sacrifices they brought were evil. Here's the thing. We're, they were supposed to bring the very best that they had. The firstborn of everything belonged to God. The firstborn child belonged to God, committed to God for service. The firstborn lamb was for God. Uh, you know, when a sheep had a lamb, the first lamb was for God, sacrifice. When they, when they sacrificed something, they would do the very best. There was to be no blemish. There was not to be any defect. When they brought a grain offering, it was from the first cut, the first cut of the harvest that belonged to God. And here's what they were doing. They were defiling the table of God. They were showing contempt because they were bringing animals that were blind, crippled, sick, if they brought a grain offering, it was probably mildewed. And their idea was, well, but God's up there. What does God care? We need that for us. We'll just give that to God. It serves the same purpose. And it says they were profaning the offering in the name of God. The word profane means to hold as common. They were holding God as if he was something common. You know, God, you're common. You'll take whatever we offer. Here's a, here's a, here's a lamb. It's sick. You know, it's blind. But that's good enough for you, God. You'll take it. And, and they even asked the question. Malachi asked the question. Would you give that to your governor? Of course you wouldn't. Then why are you giving this to God? What you're doing is evil. You're giving God what is left over. They were giving leftovers to God. It's like you go clean out your refrigerator. Here, here's what's left. And not only that, but Israel's worship was becoming burdensome. In other words, it says this, and when Israel's worship was burdensome, it means they were, they was, when they offered sacrifices to worship, they were tired. They, were, they, they weren't enjoying, they were not being blessed. It, it just says, what you have to offer is of no value. You turn your nose up at it, like you're bored, like you don't care. So they were worshiping God, they were coming and bringing sacrifices, they were giving him leftovers, what is common, and on top of that, they were bored with God. And so Israel's actions and attitude proved their contempt toward God. How they lived and their attitude and all those things, what they were doing, it was the evidence. God said, here's how I know you have contempt. You profane my name. You make it common. You have this worship service that's just, that's just boring. You have no life or energy into it. Here's the evidence. And the evidence can be in our life as well. That we show God contempt, that we're common towards God, that we just, that we just don't honor and glorify God. Evidence is important. Uh, in America, there are two types of trials, criminal and civil. And I'm not a lawyer, so I, I understand that. And, and so sometimes my analogy may be a little off. I, I tell you this, had I not been a pastor, I probably would have been a lawyer. And let me just say this about the law. I know something about the law because I've broken several of them. So just keep that in mind, okay? 
when I was younger, I have a few. Now, sorry, most of that stuff is sealed up. No one can see it anymore. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're not sealed at all. It's a public record. <laughs> now, in a criminal case, when the state or who are the prosecutor brings something against you, they have to prove it beyond reasonable doubt. I mean, there could be no doubt, really. I mean, it could be a small doubt, but really, the evidence has to be so overwhelming that it's just obvious you're guilty. But in a civil case, when two people, you know, someone has a plaintiff against the defendant and they're there and they start off even and all that has to happen is the evidence just has to tilt towards one. And if the evidence tilts towards that one person, it's in their favor, then they get to win. Now, in our life, here's what we want to do. When it comes to how do you know you're a follower of God, how do you know you're a Christian, how do you know you're serving God, all that stuff. All we really want, we just think if the evidence just tilts our way, that's good enough. You know, if it just, it just tilts God, tilts your way a little bit, God, you're good. You know, I, I go to church just enough. I believe just enough stuff about you, God. I believe all I need to believe, just enough. I'll, I'll do a few things this year. You know, I'll serve a couple of places. I'll do a couple of events. I'll give you some money. God, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do just enough and I'll claim just enough that it looks like it tilts that way. And so everybody will think it's okay and you'll think it's okay. God says, nah. God wants the evidence to be overwhelming so there's no doubt. In fact, when God looks at us, he just sees that we're sinners. I mean, we're, we're sinners. We're completely sinful. There's nothing we can do to bring that out. There's not enough stuff we can do to even out the fact that we're sinners. The only way we can ever even out the fact that we're sinners is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the only way you come to Jesus Christ is when you give yourself to him completely. You say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Here it is, all of it. And once you give your life to Jesus and you repent of your sin, then you live your life to honor him. You'll make mistakes, sure. Things will go wrong, absolutely. But you're just going to live your life to Jesus to honor God. Honoring God becomes so important. It's the most important thing in your life. So it doesn't matter if it's your family, vacation time, you know, going out to eat. You just want to honor God with everything you do. And that has to be the total evidence of it all. See, God wants all of us, not just part of us. He demands all of us. Debbie and I have a satellite radio. I don't know if you have satellite radio. We have it. Love it. I get to go back and listen to so much great music. I listen to a lot of classic rock. I'm not going to lie to you. I love it. I listen to it. Uh, when Debbie's in the car, we'll listen to contemporary Christian. <laughs> she'll do that as well. And sometimes I'll even listen to country. You know, I listen to country music. And what I notice about country music is country music likes to blend God and Jesus into the music. You know? Rock and roll doesn't do that. They're rock and roll. They're not blessing. They're not blending any, you know. Doobie Brothers had Jesus is just all right. Oh, that doesn't really count. Stairway to heaven. That's not really Christian. I'm sorry. I know you want to think that way. It's the greatest rock song of all time. It's Christian. Nah, that's not. But it's amazing what they do in country music. The other day I was listening and there's this one song came on and here's what it said. God is great. Beer is good. People are crazy. At least it wasn't beer is great and God is good. There's one song. I've been trying to get Brian to play this song for the longest time. Joe knows. I talk all the time. It's called Billy Graham's Bible. I think it was such a great song. And it's about, it's about this guy who's trying to convince this girl how stable he is. It says, it's like Billy Graham's Bible, Willie's old guitar, and me. So you got the Bible and Willie Nelson's guitar. You can depend on them both. I'm from Texas. I know a lot about Billy Graham. I mean, a lot about Billy Graham and a lot about Willie Nelson, too. I don't know. And then there's a song, I think Brooks and Dunn, but I love Brooks and Dunn. And it's about this road. And it's, on this road, they found Jesus. On the road, you know, they fell in love. On the road, they had this first beer. And so Jesus, love, and beer, all the same. 
And listen, I love Toby Keith, man. I think Toby Keith's fantastic. He has a song called The List, and he talks about the things he needs to do today. And on that list, he says, I'm going to slip an extra five in the offering plate. Oh, thank you for that extra five. And Toby Keith could slip 5,000 in that offering plate and not bat an eye. And by the way, we were letting. <laughs> this is what we want to do. We just want to slip God a part of our life. On my list today, on my list this week, I'm going to give God a little bit of my life. We're like a country song. We have all these things going on. We're going to make sure God's a part of it. And God says, nah, I don't think so. It's got to be all about God and only about God. So here's the judgment. Oh, excuse me. So many to say this. If we show contempt towards God by treating God as common and not holy, then God, the evidence against us condemns us. If we show God contempt, like the people of Israel did, by just treating God as common, it's just part of our life. You know, there's God, there's family, there's beer, there's this, there's that. We just make God as common. Then that evidence condemns us. And so when we're condemned, we come to what really is the third thing I want you to see today from this passage. And what I want you to see is the judgment that is from God. Because God always brings judgment. His judgment is never unjust. His judgment is never light. And the judgment of God it always has a degree of hope in it. And so here's what you need to know about the judgment of God towards Israel at Malachi's time. God rejected Israel's worship, service, and commitment. He rejected all of it. He said, nah. There's a kind of rhetorical question in verse 9. Should I accept your offering? And the answer is, no, I won't accept your offering. I'm not accepting this castaway, leftover, common thing that you're giving me. He said, I just wish somebody would shut the gates to the temple. Why won't somebody just go shut the gates? You know why, why all throughout Europe churches are being shut down? These beautiful buildings. It's because in that part of the world, in Europe, they're showing contempt towards God. And God just says, no, thank you. I reject all of it. Today, in our country, there will be dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe even over a hundred, depending on which Sunday, churches that will hold services for the very last time. When they walk out the doors, they'll shut the doors, lock them, and no one will go back in there to worship. Why? It's not complicated. Because God has rejected what they have to offer. That's why. There's no, no defect on God. I mean, there are churches growing all over the place. Our church is growing. There are people coming to Jesus all the time. It's not a defect on God. It's just that God has rejected what we have to offer. Because we hold God in contempt. He makes this phenomenal statement in verse 11. Verse 11 is an unbelievable statement. He says, my name will be great among the nations. It's my name. My, holding me up will be great. Worship among all the nations. The word nations... Is the Hebrew word goim, which means Gentiles. He says, eventually the Gentiles will worship me. Now, not back then they didn't. It would be 400 years. Here's the thing about Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the old, but it points to the new. Turn the pages. The first book in the new is Matthew. Here's this guy, Jesus. God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. And when you read the story of Jesus, you read the story of billions of people coming to Jesus. You read whole groups of folks coming. And all these Gentiles coming to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And to make the name of God great. But here's the thing. Every generation, every group, every church has to continually proclaim in every individual the greatness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But God said this to Israel. 
If you will not, if Israel will not honor God, someone else would. For centuries in Europe, they honored God. Oh, they honored him. But then they stopped doing it. Just closed up Western Europe. Now you go over to Asia. You go to China. It's estimated, and I've shared this before, but by the year 2030, in a, in a country where they persecute Christians, get this, in a country where they persecute Christians, there will be more Christians in China than any nation in the world, including America, by the year 2030. In fact, the largest churches in the world aren't in, aren't in America. We have churches, you know, Sunday averaging 30,000 people. That's amazing. In South Korea, they'll have churches with over 100,000 people. Wow. I mean, God, God just keeps working. He don't need us. He'd like to use us. We need him. But if we hold him in contempt, make him common, he'll just go on. Don't need you. This is what's happening even in America today. And you see churches and denominations. This is what they're doing. They're, they're coming and they're, and they're coming to the Bible, which is God's revelation of himself to us. Say, you know, this part of the Bible, uh, that's offensive to some groups. We don't want that part. And this part of the Bible, ah, we don't like that. We'll just tear that page out. So we're going to tear this part out and that part out. We don't want to have to follow that. That's Old Testament. That don't count. That's offensive. And they tear all those pages out. Then they take their Bible and put it together and say, God, here's what's left over. God says, that ain't my Bible. You're rejected. Or they'll come and they'll say, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to anticipate. It's hard to think about the fact that a loving God will let so many people perish into hell. And, 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 these, and these Hindu people are so, so committed. And they're so faithful. I'm sure they're going to get in. And the Buddhist people are getting in. And the Muslims will get in. And these strange people are getting in. Because God's a loving God. And whatever's left over God, we'll call them Christians. And we're your people. And God says, that ain't going to work. He rejects all that. Jesus says something interesting in Matthew 7, 21, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is what Jesus preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 about what it means to be his follower. He said in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. A lot of people are going to say, Jesus, here we are. We believed in you. We loved you. We went to worship. went to church. We gave you some money. We gave you a lot of stuff that was left over. He says, get away from me. I don't know who you are. You didn't do the will of my Father, which is to give your life to me completely. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says this. Jesus says this. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No other way to God but through Jesus. And do you think that there's any other way that you can come to God but through Jesus? If you think there's any other way to get to the Father but through Christ, you are making Jesus common just like every other religion. In Hinduism, they make up gods. And they get little idols out of dirt. And you're making Jesus common like that. And in every other religion outside of Christianity, it is common. It's something man has made up. And you're reducing Christ to the common. And you can't reduce Christ to the common and ever find your way to God. Ever find your way to God. It's very simple. God says, this is my way. This is how you do it. It is through Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in Jesus and you give yourself to him, you desire to spend the rest of your life honoring and glorifying God. And even though you will sin and even though you'll make mistakes and you get forgiveness, you will honor God. And you never want to make God common in your life. You want to honor him above all else. Here's the thing. Honor God through Jesus and never worry about God rejecting you. It's just that simple. Give your life to Jesus. All of it. 
Trust Him as your Savior. And you will do so. You will spend the rest of your life honoring God. And you never have to worry about God ever rejecting you. In my time as a minister for these last almost 40 years, about the time I started in 1980, a series of battles and what we call within Christianity wars began going on. Pastors like me, we call it the worship wars. You have no idea what it's like when people start fighting and battling about worship. When you're the pastor, you're going to get, oh, crap, here we're going to fight about music. That's what it boils down to. And, 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 you got, and our church is blessed because we got a great group of folks and we got contemporary music. You know, what we have here, and we got traditional, and most people are all fine with whatever they got. But in some churches, man, it's like it's one or, you know, it's one or the other. Like Some folks will say, if you don't worship God this way, your worship is false, and it's not honoring God at all. And people say, oh, no, well, our way is right, and your way is wrong. And those churches split over this and have battles. Here's an amazing thing. It's fascinating. When you read the Bible, it doesn't say anything about your style of music. Not one thing. Doesn't care if it's modern. Doesn't care if it's traditional. You can have Gregorian chants. You stand up and whirlish dervish and all that stuff all you want to. Doesn't say any of that. It only talks about one thing. It talks about the subject and the content of your worship. Are you honoring God? And in the day, that's all that matters. And in your life, honoring God is all that matters. Some of you are not honoring God because you don't know Jesus. You can't honor God outside of Jesus. If you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, can I just share this with you? Why don't you do that right now? Why don't you just give your life to Jesus? Confess that you're a sinner and give your life to Christ. Trust Him. And ask God to save you through Jesus. And we'll, if you want to come up here, some of us will be up here. You can come talk to us. That's fine. You need to give your life to Christ. And then you'll spend your life with your desire to honor God. Some of you are followers of Jesus, but you're not honoring God. And here's why. You've just been treating God as common because you've been giving God what's left over in your life. You have. You said, God, here's the leftovers of my life. Would you like it? Would you like my leftovers? And God says, no. I want the very best you have. And some of you need to say, God, forgive me for giving you leftovers. God, forgive me for making you common. I'm going to focus my life on honoring you. You need to come today and do that. You may have people you want to pray for. That's fine. You may want to come and join our church. That's fine, too. I don't know what you need to do. Here's what I know needs to happen for all of us to some degree. We need to walk out of this place today, making sure that we never give God what is left. But we give God the very best we have. We honor him in Christ above all else. Would you make that commitment today in your life? Father, we thank you. We love you. Praise you for what we have. And here in this passage, it's just this warning, this back road. That says, quit giving you what's left over. Quit treating you as common. And understand that we've got to honor you above all else in our life. And we know the only way we can truly honor you is through faith in Jesus Christ. So I pray that we will commit our lives to Christ and we will trust him and we will believe and have faith. And then in doing that, Father, we will spend our life, every part of it, seeking to honor and glorify you. Help us to never treat you as common. Help us never to give you again what's left over, but to give you what we have, the very best of our life, to you completely in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand? We'll be at the front. Would you come?